Because like I look at it like this when I when I say the standard of the gospel is reduced, right? Like yes. The church, when you stand in front of a church, <clears throat> you could actually say, what is a disciple? The church would know how to answer that. Hmm. Most churches don't even, wouldn't even know how to answer the simple questions of the greatest mission. We're supposed to be, com- uh, we're supposed to be so in love with God, that knowing him and then partnering with him in the Great Commission. And that's what Grace Ops is. We're, it's really just an ancient expression with a new logo um, going in, you know, new wineskin, uh, going into the 21st century culture saying, Hey, let's do this ancient thing called, uh, sanctifying the name of God and raising up disciples. I mean, that's really all grace ops is, you know, I was sharing that with a group of people a couple of weeks ago. Like if you look under the hood, we're just sanctifying the name of God. That's all we're trying to do. You know, we're just putting new language to it and some different spins on it, you know, for, to track guys into it. But, uh, you know, I look at like a Gordon Ramsay, you know, I love his show. A lot of people think he's a jerk, but he comes in, he makes over your kitchen. He, he does a whole new menu. He's very passionate about two things. You know, one is fresh food. And the second thing he's passionate about is that it's cooked right. Yeah. And so he's standing there in your kitchen and he's getting in your face telling you why you stink at what you do. Cause <laughs> these are things you need to hear, right? Yeah. He's like the prophet. He comes in, he's with you, he's laboring with you, he's investing his money into you, his time into you. You know, he's not just standing across the street telling you how bad you are. You know, he comes in, and then when you get that opening night and the place is full and your whole kitchen's stressed out, and he grabs that dish and he pulls the food apart and he's putting his finger in, and it's all weird looking, and he throws it up against the wall because he's there's disdain in him because you missed the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And no, we need that in the church. I actually look at JC studies as that type of. Uh, your type of resource to the body of Christ. You know, you, you provide a sense of standard. You provide yeah. a sense of, um, Hey, let's not serve it that way. That wasn't cooked well enough. You know, <laughs> like, it's, like you, you, we missed some ingredients or there's some seasoning you guys could consider, you know, like, <laughs> and I just, I ache for that in the church culture because it's like when you hear the gospel, Oh, it breaks my heart, man. You know, cause there's, and, that, and when so I'm bringing that up in the context of God's anger, that stuff does anger him. And yeah, yeah, and you're also and you're also bringing it up in the context of honoring God, sanctifying His name, being excellent. Absolutely, because there's opportunity. Um, that's powerful stuff, Brian. And you know, I'm I'm concerned that our culture is raising toddlers. And one thing about a toddler is they don't like to be t- told no, and they get their feelings hurt. Yeah. When somebody, you know, crosses the grain of their life, even for the the, the good. Um, here's a lesson. I know we, we need to wrap this up, but I think this will be really helpful uh, in um, guys. Humility. We talked about holiness. It's it. God is other than we're coming to. He, he's come into our life, but we're coming to him on bended knee saying, speak, your servant is listening. You need to reveal yourself. You need to train me, be my Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, how, and I don't know about you, but that's the Lord speaks very directly to me. He doesn't pamper me or coddle me at all. Less and less, and, and even less as I've gotten older in Jesus, he's just straightforward calling me out and, you know, telling me what needs to be done when right. it comes to repentance, turning from, turning to. But here's a lesson I've learned about humility, Brian. And this kind of goes back to your two types of cultures in the church, right? One culture is telling you you're terrible and you don't measure up. 
One culture is telling you, hey, you're doing fine in Jesus. He's got this all worked out. You realize those are the two sides of the coin of pride. Pride is thinking more of yourself or thinking less of yourself. What it has in common is you're thinking about yourself. That's right. The church is to be all eyes Mm. on Jesus. And what does he do? He introduces us to the Father. And what does the Father do? He gives us the spirit of Jesus. And we live in this beautiful harmony of um, being in the world, but not of it, being the solution in the world. And together, back to back, we fight the good faith of fight, of good, good fight of faith. Let me say that again. (laughs) Together, we fight back to back the good fight of faith. And that means um, that we're united in the things that matter. Yeah. And, and that's the gospel. Um, we're really, you know this, because I love this about you. I've heard you preach. We, we get to apply the victory of Jesus. The enemy is on the defense yes, from that. a kingdom perspective. We can lift people out of the pit of sin. We know that God can enter in and transform the hardest mm. heart and the most despairing yeah. life. And these are the things we hold on to. And these are the things that we pray and lean into and we work together for. Well, I also wanted to uh, at least uh, read a verse or two out of the Romans passage that we, we've we carved out here. Um, and we will kind of wrap this up, but uh, just to kind of give a biblical, some, you know, you actually use the Bible to talk about this as well. Yes. Um, Romans 1.18 through 32 was the the passage we had carved out. But just to kind of share uh, the, the verse 18 uh, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then verse 19 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And it's really goes on. Um, I would encourage you to read those verses, but this gives a good picture of for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And I love how in the Titus chapter, the Titus two uh, of our culture, grace ops, it says for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all mankind and training us to renounce Yes. Ungodliness and worldly passions and to live. There's three parts life. It's more powerful to live self-controlled, to live upright and to live godly lives. So um, I want the wrath of God to be not something I'm just fixated on, but I don't want it to be something I ignore. Or like you've said, James, just categorize it as an Old Testament character. Yes. Um, because when you talk about collapsing time, it, that is actually very brilliant. I mean, so brilliant because... We have, you know, I, I actually use that analogy for people in the book of Acts because people are get so infatuated with, well, my, the signs and wonders in my life's not so, you know, because the book of Acts kind of reads like, hey, they woke up and they healed the guy by the gate. Every and, day. And, and, yeah, and then afternoon they went to Walmart and they they told this guy to get out of his wheelchair. And then two days later they were over at this house raising the dead. You know, it's like, I'm like, that was a 30 year period of time. You know, I'm like, Good for you. I'm like, so if you take your life as a believer and you take a 30 year cross section of it and you take the highlight reel. 
because the book of Acts is the, it's the NFL highlight reel, right? Yes. You're watching in five, seven minutes, every touchdown that happened that day. And that's what the book of Acts is. It's like all the good stuff, couple of the bad things, you know, it's like, <laughs> but that's what you're saying. The whole Bible is that we have to realize the, the breadth and the length and the depth and the beauty of the story. And we yeah. fit into it very brilliantly. And God is still doing signs and wonders, even in the American church. You know, I've heard it Amen. prophesied that Amen. You know, God doesn't do that anymore or whatever, but no, nope. go Jesus, go. Yeah. So what are, you know, what would you offer to the Romans passage on just some, some, you know, thoughts as we, as yeah. we wrap? A couple thoughts, Brian. First, um, they, as the passage goes on, it keeps talking about how God's been showing grace, how he's been putting up with these things, which biblically speaking means he's right in the midst of it, speaking words of life and words of hope, revealing through creation. Um, I think that's really, really powerful that, that, that Paul kind of mimics the very thing we've been saying. We're kind of thinking more like him about God's long suffering. Think interestingly also that there, the new Testament in my opinion and, and the opinion of many scholars really witnesses to the fact that they thought that the, the second coming of Jesus was going to be right around the corner. Yeah. That they had literally entered into the end times and that the history was going to be wrapped up and it was a provoking kind of, <laughs> right. you know, God's good. The wrath of God ultimately, biblically speaking, means making settling all accounts where justice is meted out and everything is settled. Right. Um, and so it's interesting that even then he was saying, boy, it's, you know, it's it's here and it's coming. And we're reading the text 2000 years later. But by the same token, it doesn't mean that God's delayed it or he can't execute it um, or he's slow, as Peter says. No, no. I think in every generation we see the we see manifestations of God's anger and Here's here's maybe something I think that might be just really important to me because I see so many people get caught up in end time scenarios and they all know that Jesus said, hey, I don't even know when, <laughs> but still they will shell out big money for books, videos, conferences where somebody oh, says, oh, but I know more than Jesus because I figured it out. Right. And a lot of people are using Jewish root stuff, which really ticks me off. Because that's not why God gave the the Hebraic connection to the church, so they could figure out the <laughs> end time scenario. And I think people almost feel like they've satisfied some religious requirement if they can figure it out or they have insight into it. What's more important is looking at the evidence in your culture of God's wrath, which cre is, creates a deception and a delusion. The, and a delusion simply is that which you have to deny your senses. You have to deny the facts. Um, Germany, Nazi Germany is a great illustration of this. You have a population mm -hmm. that for one reason or another in a variety of ways bought into a huge lie and wound up killing a segment of their population um, in the name of doing something right. So, we're, what's happening in our culture? The better question than is this the end day, end of time, is to ask what is happening in our culture that is promoting death because God is a God of life. Yeah. And I would say since 1970, we have done the unthinkable. We have made it legal to kill innocents 
in what should be the safest place on planet earth, their mother's womb. And yet it doesn't even get any press anymore. It doesn't get any talk about it anymore, but their blood goes into the ground and cries out to God for justice. Does that make him angry? It's a rhetorical question. Will, Will there come a time where he shuts it down? Brian, another thing that's happening in our culture, you know, we look at, we read the Old Testament. Okay, here's another thing with the angry God scenario. Now, I'll, I'll be brief. <laughs> we, We've we got talk, time. To, you just, we, we, yeah. we got time, man. <laughs> with the angry God his characterization ensconced in our thinking and in our psychology, um, when we feel, we feel self-righteous about dumping Israel, right? Because they were those stiff-necked people that could never get it. And God gave them um, a works salvation. They couldn't even do that. And so there's a bunch of legalists and, you know, all these, all these gross lies about God and his people. And so we don't, we're not able to see ourselves reflected in the mirror of who they are. The very thing Paul told us we should be able to. And here's, here's a big one. We read about those people and we say, how stupid, ignorant people, how could they offer their kids to Moloch? Yeah. How could they offer their flesh and blood to to idols that burnt with fire and consume their children? How could they do that? We're doing the same thing. Yeah, the, the current day Moloch is Planned Parenthood. Yes, and it's going further. Now it's a perverse agenda in grade school that is completely messing with their minds, things that we would always take for granted. You are what your equipment says you are. Um, This is the way sexuality is expressed in healthy boundaries. Um, All of that is being stood on its head and taught the opposite. So we're still offering our young people to Moloch, to Baal, and we're no better than the people we judge. Right. And we can't even see it in the mirror. Um, and, and I would say we're ripe for judgment as a country. I think that I think Church Inc. is complicit in that because they're not offering a solution amidst the problem. And I think you can make a case for with when God withdraws his presence, he gives us over to our ourselves. And we 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 love to act on delusions. We're easily duped. We are so we're foils for lies. We're suckers. <laughs> the human race suckers. When you put it in the perspective of, of a malevolent, malevolent evil that manipulates us to destroy ourselves and one another by the, the simplicity of lies. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think rather than trying to figure out the end times and giving ourselves a pat on the back, we need to discern our times yeah, and, exactly. and, how, and how God's calling us to honor him. And uh, I figured that out. We're supposed to be when he does return. You know, this is the greatest thing you guys taught me was <laughs> one of the greatest things was he's supposed to find us busy at work oh, man. and loving him and in in his in in cherishing the Great Commission. You know, it's like in the Great Commission, there's this beautiful thing called teach them every teach them to obey everything I commanded you know it's like so even th- that that's right there in the New Testament the, there's the commands of Christ you know so it's like 
the Torah isn't the only place of the Bible that has commands and, uh, mm. you know, it, 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 it brings it in. And so, you know, I learned this from you a couple of years ago, uh, about, so looking at God's wrath, that God's wrath is against everything that's related to death. Correct. God's wrath is, is, is his wrath. And, and although he's long suffering, his anger will be there for a long period of time. And he's going to try to be purging these things out. But when his wrath comes, he's going to deal with the death and the darkness that we allowed to purvey, that his anger didn't stop us. We did we we missed the caution signs of his anger. Yes. Now therefore his wrath is coming. Well, and even in his wrath, there's hope. And uh because right here in, in Romans uh one twenty one, and we could probably use this as a a framework to kind of land the plane here, but yeah. uh says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Hmm. And I don't want to just read about that in Romans 1 and go, yeah, boy, those people in Romans 1, man, they're, they're, boy, those were some dumb people because you know what? And I don't mean this in a derogatory sense towards myself, and I'm not trying to provoke guilt and shame in any believer out there. But I'm the dumb person. Right. I'm the futile thinker. I'm the one who has a foolish, darkened heart. Because I've been around the things of God for so long. And if I miss the fact that I'm supposed to be possessing the Bible, right? Like not just knowing intellectual things. Um, and I, I'm trying to say this as balanced as I possibly can. But I, I get it. Like man, yeah. God, what, what's in my, you know, what's in our times, not the end times, but what's in our times right now where your anger is against, and it's warning me of things that I'm just blowing, I'm just scrolling past on my social media feeds, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, what am I, how can I stop and hear what the spirit is saying, hear that prophetic voice of the spirit and, and have a tenderized heart. Because, and that's the heart of our grace ops culture is that we would literally honor God, which I, I compare that to Jesus's language of hallowing the name of God, sanctifying the name It's all rooted in honor, right? That we would honor him. Yes. And that we would be sober minded through his anger and wrath of like going, there's things, there are things of death and things of darkness that our father in heaven really doesn't like for me to partake in because of what it does to me and to him and our relationship. And it's forbidden. It's not for me. It's not for me, you know? And so it's just, I don't know. I, I need a huge dose of what we're talking about. I mean, I'm, I hate thinking that I've arrived or, you know, I've got this stuff mastered and I'm, and I'm also not afraid of God in the area of where I think he's just hundred percent against me every day. I think he's so for me every day. That's the dangerous part. I'm, yeah. like, yes. I'm like, you know, he's for me and I've got to be for him and not for me. Well said. Well when said. I'm for me, I can use his grace in perverted ways. And you can see how the Testaments connect and the reason we need a robust understanding uh, with Jesus as our interpreter, particularly of the five books of Moses, because life and death is the theme of Leviticus. And it Mm -hmm. it is also, it it trickles down to purity, the pure and the impure, which goes back to Jesus talking about what's going on in our heart because purity breathes life. 
and life breeds life. And even, as you said, God's judgment is meant to bring to life or his wrath is meant to silence death so that life can abound. Um, you know, uh, I'll give a little shout out to Dwight Pryor, my mentor, yours as well. I've met yeah. Dwight and interfaced with him before he left Earth way too soon. Way too soon. But he would, he would, he would put it in a word. The word is faithful. The one Jesus, Jesus taught us to call is faithful. So faithful that Jesus could be faithful even to death on a cross. And now in Jesus, by the presence and power of his spirit, our call is to be faithful. Emunah. Emunah. <laughs> it, it, the, word, the Hebrew word for faith. And it has more to do with faithfulness. It's that trust and obey that are both embedded in it. He's faithful, so be faithful. Um, there's your honor principle. And there is, you know, that's, I think that's my, my final word on the that's subject. Our, that's our signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I love you a bunch. I'm indebted to you. I, I partner with your ministry. I would encourage other people to partner with JC Studies. You guys have powerful resources, and I, I have no problem investing my funds to uh, support you guys. And appreciate you know, great, you. great stops. We'll do the same. We'll pour money into to your stuff. We, I love you. Love your resources, and you stay encouraged as well. Thank you, know, you, brother. Because I know that you labor in a, a very small lane of people yeah. in this country that actually do what you do. Yeah. Um, and and stay the course, man, because we need your voice and we need your views. We need JC Studies. And you've done brilliant work, man. Thank I you. just want to encourage you. You know, I watched you because uh, I knew you with Dwight and I watched you step in, you know, at the shocking time when, like you said, way too soon. No one was anticipating that. Yeah. And I've watched you step in and actually do very brilliant things with this thing, man. So stay the course and be encouraged today. Thank you so much, Pastor. And the door swings both ways. Love you, Christy, the family, the um, congregation there, and what you're doing in Grace, Grace Ops. Um, there, uh, a Hebrew scholar, uh, he was a Pentecostal, so he called himself an oxymoron, but a Pentecostal <laughs> scholar in Jerusalem. Um, uh, Robert Lindsay used to say, when you say amen, it's the equivalent of saying, go, Jesus, go. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> so, brother, to, to who you are and all that you do, amen. Amen. Well, hey, to the Grace Ops uh, culture, we love all of you. And until next time, live upright.